Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing well, Mike. Thank God. Thank God. Well, today we want to discuss the new peace deal with the UAE, and we have an expert here. Alan, would you please introduce our guest? I'll be greatly honored um, to introduce Dr. Aaron Lerman, who is the Vice President of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security, and was the Deputy Director for Foreign Policy and International Affairs of the National Security Council in the Israel Prime Minister's Office. He has held senior posts in IDF military intelligence for over 20 years. He also served for eight years as Director of the Israel and Middle East Office of the American Jewish Committee. He teaches in the Middle East Studies Program at the Shalem College in Jerusalem and in a postgraduate program at Tel Aviv University. He is an expert on Israel's foreign relations and the Middle East, a third-generation Sabra. He holds a PhD from the London School of Economics and a mid-career MPA from Harvard University, which makes me really tired to hear all the things that you <laughs> do, <laughs> even uh, one. We're tired just so, listening uh, to this. It must make you even more tired. <laughs> well, trying to keep my energies up in this interesting time. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we figured since you don't do much, you have enough free time. You can spend a little with us explaining uh, the deal to us. We really do appreciate. No, but in seriousness, we really do appreciate uh, you giving us this time. And I guess I'll just start with asking you very directly. This new peace deal seems to be different in character to the previous deals Israel made with Egypt and yeah. and Jordan. Does this is this sort of a, a different kind of deal? Have we broken through to a new plateau? Uh, or am I just overreading no, no, it? Definitely. This is a very different proposition for uh, three major reasons. What, okay. The first is that the, uh, the UAE was never our enemy. Uh, it, we never fought any wars. Uh, they never sent... Uh, uh, troops to join Arab wars against us. So this is not, strictly speaking, a peace treaty that comes after a war, as has been the case right. with Egypt, 30 years of conflict, uh, the wars of 48 and 56 and 67, and the war of attrition and the war of 73, and culminating in a peace treaty in the uh, Camp David Agreement in 78 and peace treaty in 79. Jordan uh, Norman was, was a friend uh, in many ways from 1970 onwards, but it took them 24 years to come out of the closet and actually become yeah. a peace partner. But they were enemy, uh, an enemy fighting us in, in 48 and in 67. Uh, the UAE was never an enemy. So some people would say the term peace treaty is not the, the, the relevant term here. Uh. It is a breakthrough to normalization with a key Arab country. Uh, the second thing is that mm. this is the first country beyond the immediate uh, environment of Israel to break uh, the... Uh, actually, Lebanon signed a peace treaty with us in 83, but this was uh, mm. immediately overrun by Syrian pressures, and it was abandoned. It was dead on arrival, essentially. It was stillborn. Mm. So, well, uh, anyway... But, but do we have relations with Morocco? No, uh, we, uh, Israel yeah. had diplomatic representations in Qatar, Oman, uh. Morocco, and Tunisia after the Oslo agreements, but they did not amount to full normalization. Right. They were not mm. embassies, uh. and they were all uh, cut. Uh, the, all of these were closed in the wake of the uh, blow-up with the Palestinians uh, early in, uh, in, in two th late 2000, early in the previous decade. So this is, right. uh, it, it never, they never amounted to a, a rela uh, diplomatic relationship. So this is uh, uh, the first 
It was a thawing that never really defrosted. It never really came well, to... Well, uh, it, it, um, it looked as if it would come to fruition mm. uh, if we make the next step with the Palestinians, but that never happened. So mm -hmm. uh, what makes this one so important in and of itself is that it breaks the um, veto power of the Palestinians on Arab normalization with, uh, normalization with Israel. This is why mm. the reaction in, in Ramallah by many Palestinians, not mm. all I know, uh, my friend uh, uh, Mohammed Dejani, for example, has spoken uh, very clearly against this, this, this show of hysterics. But uh, the Palestinian leadership took this very um, badly because they see this uh, for what it is. It's the, uh, the breaking of the veto power. And other countries would follow sooner or later, maybe sooner than later. Um, but the third important element here which makes it novel is that unlike Jordan or Egypt, uh, the UAE is a country with immense resources and, Im and uh, creativity, um, a, a, an attitude that drives them constantly towards innovation, participation in, in uh, whatever the 21st century has to offer. They are go while the much of the rest of the Arab world is going downstairs, they're going upstairs, and that mm -hmm. makes them a very important match with Israel. Now, they really go upstairs uh, with their skyscrapers. I mean, uh, they're yeah, literally the way not up. just yeah, Khalifa yeah. is supposed to be the highest uh, uh, building, building in the, the world. The world yeah. Right. Yeah. So that gives you a sense of, of what they aspire to. They have sent, uh, uh, they went into space, and just today they have also inaugurated their first nuclear power, the first nuclear power station anywhere in the Arab world, mm -hmm. under uh, IAEA safeguards and so on and so forth. We don't see this essentially as, as a threat, but it gives you a sense of their, uh, uh, their attitude. So uh, mm -hmm. that makes them a very, very important match for Israel uh, in terms of what we have to offer, what they have to offer. Uh, they have about a, a trillion dollars in sovereign funds. Uh, all of this can, can really make a difference for us. Uh, particularly now that we're going through a very rough uh, economic patch mm -hmm. uh, due to the uh, uh, corona, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, but beyond that, there is also, and there, here we go into reasons, explanations. This consolidates what I call the camp of regional stability. Uh, for the last mm -hmm. uh, 10 years or so, since the outbreak of the uh, political upheaval in the Arab world, um, uh, I think what we saw is the emergence not of geopolitical uh, blocks, but of ideological blocks, ideological camps. I can call it the game of camps as a paraphrase on, on the game of thrones, only this one's not graced by cuddly dragons and ambitious blondes. <laughs> this is just bloody murder. <laughs> And, and, yeah. and we've seen how, I mean, to call this the Arab Spring is an insult to the memory of 600,000 people who've been slaughtered in Syria and elsewhere. And uh, this is, this mm -hmm. is a, an earthquake, and this is cataclysmic. As, mm -hmm. And the, as the landscape broke, we saw the emergence of, of, I would say, four elements. I'm saying four and not six, because the old socialist nationalists, the Nasserists, the Baathists, were finished. Saddam ended on the gallows. The uh, Nasserists are a marginal force in Egypt today. 
Bashar al-Assad is a relic of the Ba'athist age, but he was, but he's now fighting for the survival of his clan, his family, uh, yeah. his... He's uh, hanging on by his, his fingernails, his, uh, but, he, but yeah. yeah. Yes, and but not for the uh, the sake of the Baathist ideology anymore. Right. It's it's right. and it's become uh, an adjunct of the Iranian camp to some extent. So uh, which comes from a very different ideological angle. So they are finished. They are the past. The liberals never made it to be the future. Unfortunately, except Sagan Tunisia. Ago, Tunisia a little bit. Except success, Tunisia. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You're yeah. right. Tunisia is the exception where they are yeah. in 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 harness with the conservatives against the Islamists, and and Tunisia yeah. uh, uh, was the first, and Tunisia remains the exception that proves the rule. Mm -hmm. Everywhere else, yeah. it's either the Islamists in one variation mm -hmm. or another, or the forces of stability, conservative forces of stability, which have formed an alliance uh, against the revolutionary urges. Mm -hmm. So you now, of course, you have the Daesh types, the ISIL. Uh, ISIS is a misnomer because when they say yeah. Sham, Dawla al-Islamiyya fil Iraq was Sham. Sham is not serious. Sham is a term for the entire Levant, including Israel and Jordan, Palestine, mm -hmm. if you wish, uh, uh, Lebanon. Uh, so uh, ISIS became a common misnomer, but the most intelligence services say ISIS. In any case, they spread to Sinai, to Libya. I, I didn't know that. Uh, and so uh, I would say uh, IS, Islamic State, and other okay. Al-Qaeda offshoots. Right. That's a camp. But they are now so badly beaten that uh, they are not real contenders anymore for the uh, future of the region. So we are down to three. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> uh, so we are down to three. And these three are the uh, Iranian camp. And that's a, that's a camp. It's a dangerous camp. They have, of course, right. uh, a core in Tehran. They lost uh, the, uh, the main uh, organizer. Qasem Soleimani to an American strike, but uh, basically mm -hmm. they're still there. They have their uh, proxies in Lebanon, Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the militia, some of the uh, popular mobilization forces, uh, the Hash the Shabi militias in Iraq. Uh, of course, they have the Houthi uh, um, uprising in Yemen, very Yemen. much part of right. the Iranian uh, um, bid for dominance. Um, and, and so, uh, and of course, they have agents and sleeper cells uh, around the world, and they have a relationship. Do they have influence in North Africa at all, in those Arab countries, um, like Libya? Margin, they tried to penetrate uh, Libya, did not do very well. They uh -huh. used to have an influence in Sudan, but look where Sudan has gone now. Uh -huh. uh, they first sold out mm. to the Saudis, and now they are uh, uh. talking with Israel, although they fired the spokesman of the foreign yeah. ministry for speaking too early. <laughs> But, yeah. uh, but uh, no, Iran is, did not do well in North okay. Africa, but elsewhere they have uh, uh, their influence. Of course, they have a relationship with Venezuela and so on. Um, they are mm -hmm. fishing in all sorts, in, in murky waters, wherever they can. So Iran is a challenger, a major challenger. Uh, the other challenging uh, element nowadays is the Muslim Brotherhood camp which is supported by two significant regional players, namely Turkey and Qatar working in tandem. The mm -hmm. Turkey led by Erdogan, but uh, supported uh, from Qatar's pockets. Um, you have the Hamas, you have the uh, GNA government in uh, Tripoli in Western Libya, 
Um, and you have uh, the Muslim Brotherhood elements under the surface in various places, backed and supported uh, by the Turks, who are now inserting themselves also into Yemen. Uh, there are rumors about a new relationship they're trying to build uh, with Oman. They have uh, a military presence, a naval presence in, in Somalia, and so on. The, the Turks are, are reviving a, a landscape of ambitions which is neo-Ottoman in nature. And, and but, but so what's confused, what confuses me always, is, of course, is that we have relations with Turkey. Yes, um, and, mm. and Israel, Israel so had a relationship with... We've, we have an embassy there. Yeah, right? we had an embassy in Turkey uh, from way back. And we of used course to do we joint had, military uh, um, training. The, um, famous, uh, we had a, an alliance, uh, the, the famous mm -hmm. Trident uh, uh, Alliance, the Alliance of the Periphery in the 50s. Ben-Gurion struck a, a, a relationship with Turkey, Iran, which was then under the Shah, and the monarchy in Ethiopia. Uh, all of we share the fear of Nasserism and pan-Arabist, uh, pro-Soviet pan-Arabism, and uh, so that's history. But that Turkey is gone. But, yeah. uh, but even though we still travel there, Israelis travel there freely. Yes, and right. And, well, and most Israeli Jews uh, now avoid uh, this uh, paradise of uh, uh, all-included hotels in southern Turkey. Yeah. Uh, they've shifted to Greece. Uh, Israeli Arabs right. still travel quite often to, to Turkey and feel comfortable mm -hmm. there. But it's interesting, Erdogan never touched the economic dimension of the relationship, and, and while mm -hmm. he degraded the, uh, the level of diplomatic representation, uh, our ambassador Eitan Naev was forced out and uh, was, not, was never invited to return. Before that, in 2010, we had the Mavi Marmara crisis, we were right. and then we the apologized, and we brought back the, em the embassies to a higher level. But they never cut off relations altogether, and he never touched the economic dimension. There are billions of dollars in trade. Haifa is the port of trade for Turkey with Jordan and points east. That's not mm -hmm. a secret. Uh, it's, it's not, we don't run around telling everyone, but we arrange <laughs> with the Turks uh, and the Jordanians for their trucks to come off their Roro ships in Haifa, drive to Jordan and, and further south, because obviously you can no longer drive through Syria. There's not enough Syria mm -hmm. left, right. and, and it is a hostile territory from a Turkish... And Lebanon's too unstable? And uh, Lebanon doesn't get you anywhere. You either get, yeah. have to go again through Syria <laughs> or through Israel. Yeah, that's true. So, right. uh, you have to, so Haifa is their port. And moreover, the AKP... And they're part of NATO. And they're, right? part, they're part of, of NATO, NATO. And there's a limit to how far they want to go. And in addition to all of this, um, uh, the AKP made its political base um, through its um, economic prosperity, uh, bid for economic prosperity. So there's a limit to how far they want to go. Turkey is not Iran. Turkey is embedded in the international economic structure. Mm -hmm. It is a prosperous country until it has been. And now they are, uh, the lira is in fall and, and there are serious issues, uh, COVID issues, etc. But uh, at the end of the day, um, Turkey is, strategically speaking, a dangerous player now. They have a mm -hmm. bid for hegemony in the Eastern Mediterranean. It has to do with the maps of the EEZ. They uh, draw a map that gives them a border with Libya, which bottles up Israel, Cyprus, and, and, and Egypt. Uh, they hate all three of us. 
uh, equally. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Greek. Well, they occupy in, part of Cyprus. Uh, and they are in occupation of Northern Cyprus, uh, the yeah. so called Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus, which is recognized yeah. by only one country, namely Turkey. But right. um, in the. Uh, now, what happened is that on the 6th of August, Egypt and Greece signed a counter map, an agreement that draws the map uh, in a way that takes into account the island uh, exclusive economic zones of Crete and Carpatos and Rhodes. And so in other words, they gi it gives Egypt and Greece a common border. So we can actually drive uh, for uh, in the future a pipeline or, uh, or a power line mm -hmm. from uh, our energy fields or from a power station in Cyprus or whatever we decide to do to uh, Greece and points uh, west in Europe uh, without having to ask permission of uh, Erdogan in his palace in Ankara. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this is a clash now. Now, interestingly, here's the point. The United Arab Emirates is Egypt's strategic sponsor in these efforts. And they immediately announced that this is a great victory, the Greek-Egyptian agreement. And mm -hmm. they are supported the Egyptian bid to stop the Turks halfway in Libya. They were behind mm -hmm. Egypt's support for Field Marshal Khalifa Haftar's bid to take over Libya. Now, Haftar may be an SOB, but he's our mm -hmm. SOB in this particular yeah. uh, situation. He is certainly not a pleasant individual, uh, and uh, nor is he the greatest thing in North African military affairs in Scipio Africanus. He, but uh, for all his faults, he is the man that the Egyptians rely on to prevent a complete pro-Turkish, pro-Brotherhood takeover of the entire Libyan territory, because that would mean a hostile pro-Turkish presence on Egypt's border. Uh, with consequences also for us, because if the, all that arm, this arm supply from the piles that Gaddafi left behind would flow freely into Egypt, destabilizing Egypt and then into Gaza, that's an Israeli interest. And the Turkish-Libyan alliance, if it uh, uh, strangles us in the eastern Mediterranean, that's a danger to Israeli interests. So Israel, Egypt, and the UAE stand together now by the way, uh, uh, fully supported by the French position, uh, another interesting departure. For years, we, we had our uh, quarrels with the French on issues. Now we stand shoulder to shoulder on the Eastern Mediterranean question. And so uh, uh, all of this uh, gives you a much deeper background to the Israeli-UAE deal. Now, who else in the Middle East fits into that UAE axis? What other countries well, also are natural members of that group? Well, because uh, Qatar, Qatar's not. Qatar's with the Qataris have made themselves the the standout. I I don't want to be rude, but uh, I used to say that Allah has shown uh, his sense of humor uh, by making Qatar the shape of the finger. Because the Qataris have been, <laughs> the Qataris have been making the, giving the finger to the Saudis and to the other five in the GC, uh, Gulf Cooperation Council, so the GCC, by staking out a position in support of the Muslim Brotherhood when uh, Saudi Arabia and the UAE were 
uh, sponsoring the counter movement in Egypt. Uh, what happened in the summer of uh, 2013 in Egypt was a clash between uh, uh, movements in Egypt, but it was also a clash between those funded by the UAE in Saudi Arabia, uh, who mm -hmm. took over um, first the streets and then the military uh, moved in and removed Morsi from power. And the Morsi project, the Muslim Brotherhood project, which was funded by the Gutteris and supported by the Turks. So uh, all of these things fall uh, into place. It's, we're talking about the five out of the six uh, Gulf states, although Oman and Kuwait are less uh, uh, coherent. Let's leave them aside. Let's talk about the core group, which is uh, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain. Kuwait already, I think, announced that they're not willing to thaw with Israel. No, no, they, they, they are, I mean, I have to say that, that that's a smelly position. You know, we took uh, Iraqi missiles coming in yeah. in 91 right. yeah. uh, because, uh, of an, uh, because of a war that the United States launched to save the, the Kuwaitis right. next. And for them and to... Palestinians celebrated those rockets. Palestinians supported Saddam. So yeah. uh, uh, for the, the Kuwaitis to be so, uh, um, uh, you know, to have such short memories is, is an insult, and, yeah. and, uh, which we will not easily forget when the day comes. Mm -hmm. But uh, for the time, leave the Kuwaitis aside. The Omanis have always okay. kept the equidistance between Israel and Iran. They have a complicated uh, game to play. But uh, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Bahrain are solidly in this uh, column. So, of course, are Egypt and Jordan, although the Jordanians also have to tread a bit carefully given their neighborhood. Um, and uh, the Haftar side of Libya, uh, much of the rest of the Maghreb is also uh, conservative in orientation, and the Egyptians have lined them up in support of their position in the Libyan situation. And uh, uh, since we are talking about the Eastern Mediterranean as our region, actually, I'm I'm running a campaign to get rid of the Middle East, uh, to, mm. which is a, a colonial relic. It is a British term which refers to this part as halfway to the Far East from London. Yeah, from it's Eurocentric, right. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, it's very London-centric. Mm -hmm. um, right. And, uh, and I, I would say our place in the world is the Eastern Mediterranean, where Israel is a part of the colorful mosaic that includes Jews and Arabs and Greeks and Turks. and further up the Adriatic, Albanians and Croatians and whatever. Uh, so um, uh, if this is our place... I'm in, sold. What? You can sold me. All right. Um, well, I think we can make our case. Uh, and by the way, in using the template offered by a great Egyptian thinker of the first half of the 20th century, Tah Hussein, the great blind intellectual who, who was the most influential man in Egypt, uh, man of letters in Egypt in his day, and he wrote about the Mutawasatir, the Mediterraneity, uh, uh, the uh, Mediterranean uh -huh. identity. Uh, he was married to a French girl. He was uh, very much at home with the Greek uh, culture and, trad and, and, and cultural tradition. So um, I think we can. But the Levant is no longer a useful term, yeah. The, uh, I would, the I, would Eastern speak, Mediterranean. I would speak of uh, Eastern Mediterranean, Mediterranean identity, and Eastern Mediterranean identity mm -hmm. that brings in Greece. And, and Cyprus as our allies, and, and offers a place to Turkey when Turkey will one day be run by people who are like-minded. Erdogan is mm -hmm. not. Again, no, he's not. Erdogan right. is not. I mean, it used to be. It used to be a real democracy, a Muslim-Turkish democracy. Yes, and, and uh, hopefully um, uh, this, this will change. Uh, he, he did get a, li yep. a licking in the mayoral election in Istanbul 
in the summer of 19. But instead of sobering him up, it only led him to become aggressively nationalistic and neo-Ottoman and Islamist uh, in alliance with the, the hard nationalist, the MHP, and, and it's a problem. It's a problem for not only for but, us. But also, the, I, I mean, the ideological grouping that we're in is not a democratic ideological grouping. It's an anti Muslim, uh, it's not anti-Muslim, anti-radical uh, Muslim. Yeah, it's right? it's Muslim, yeah. all right. I mean, really. who's more legitimate than the Saudis in Mecca and Medina yeah, yeah. and the Hashemites who used to be the custodians of Mecca right. and Medina for a thousand years? Um, mm -hmm. uh, they are proper Muslims. You know, Israel is a 20% or 80%, 18% yeah. Muslim country yeah. where the president yeah. and the prime minister hold iftar dinners. Uh, let's, let's not forget that. Islamism mm -hmm. is not Islam. Islamism is a modern um, a, a revolutionary agenda. Uh, I would say if it was a racehorse of Islam by modern uh, revolutionary totalitarianism. If you want fascism, right. you can show also but, some Bolshevik uh, uh, models mm -hmm. be in, in the writings of Hassan al-Banna, Said Qutb, and the Pakistani Maududi, the founding fathers, uh, intellectual founding right. fathers of Islamism. So that's a, an ideological enemy, and we stand together. Right, but right, but it's not, or it's not really for, is my point, is in other words, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, they're not democracies that are trying to democratize the area. They're, they're right. also monarchies or uh, autocracies. Or, um, but, right? but they are, they're Western-leaning. They're willing to deal with the West, but they're not Western-style. They're not Western-style, but uh, I would say that the UAE certainly uh, is pushing in, a moder in the direction of um, modernization of society. Uh, Sisi has made some steps in that direction, although he's clearly an authoritarian figure. And MBS, well, uh, you know, Khashoggi uh, event uh, gave rise to quite a, a lot of speculations on what uh, you put in a Saudi Arabian valise diplomatique. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, he is also the man who gave uh, uh, Saudi women rights that they never had, who is allowing uh, uh, cultural inroads uh, which were mm -hmm. banned before. He's, he's breaking the stranglehold of the mutawa, the, the, the um, re religious police on, on Saudi life. Uh, and you have to bear in mind, in, in our part of the world, um, if you want to give people a sense of trepidation, you talk about Gorbachev, the reformer who ruined his country beyond repair. So if right. you want to be a reformer, you also need to be very, very tough at the same time. It's not a pleasant mm -hmm. thought, but that's how it works. And gradual. Right. Gradual and, and I mean, uh, incremental. It, yeah. that's and, and they, because of their complicated... I'm not sure exactly what their internal cheshbonot are, that uh, internal... Uh, Accounts. Ac calculations. Yeah, the calculations, thank you. I don't know what their internal calculations are. They're, they're willing to allow Israeli flights to fly over Saudi Arabia now to get to the UAE, but they're not willing to explicitly, openly follow the UAE model. It's also a complicated... Well, relationship with Israel. Yeah, they, they want to wait and see if uh, what kind of benefits uh -huh. will accrue, and uh, everybody uh, in the region, uh, except for MB, MBZ, who's uh, who, who's uh, very daring, 
Everybody else is looking, uh, uh, keeping an eye on the American elections in November to see where that mm -hmm. cat jumps. And uh, so I, 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 I'm not sure there will be immediate um, follow-on, but basically the, the UAE broke uh, the ice and, and, uh, and the, uh, the Palestinians need to adjust to this new reality. Mm -hmm. They don't have the clout they used to have uh, in terms of uh, a veto power over the rest of the Arab world. How much do you think the Americans had to, influence had to do with this? Well, I think, um, paradoxically, it was cut and done in Washington uh, by, the, uh, uh, by the Kushner team in, 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 in conjunction with the question of whether or not they would give Israel the, the green light uh, for uh, implementing Israeli law, the so-called annexation question, in parts of Judea and Samaria. So the, the Americans were there, definitely, as, and, and, and uh, I think Trump is certainly counting on this to uh, once again uh, rebuild his reputation as a, as a deal-maker. Having said so, the deeper reason, and, and as I said, there's a paradox here, the deeper reason why the UAE and other Arab countries are coming to Israel is because they, they fear that the United States is in retreat. And increasingly, mm -hmm. the, the void being left by American authority in the region needs to be filled by players like the UAE and Israel who are willing to, to be more assertive uh, in order to fill the, the gap left by mm -hmm. uh, American um, choices the, in, the the power last, in the last 12 the, or 15 years since uh, the power shift is to the regional. Down, and so regional powers have to learn to yeah. take care of themselves and work together exactly. and, more. And, 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 and tighten, you know, the ranks. I mean, close ranks. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 90s, we thought in Oslo, we thought that was going to be the victory. The Pax Americana would bring Israelis and Palestinians together, but it's the fall of the Pax Americana that is bringing Americans, I mean Israelis, and the UAE together. Well, history. So, I, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint uh, Francis Fukuyama, <laughs> but history did not end. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy book. I don't even. Uh, listeners are probably too young to remember that. That was yeah. such. Okay, yeah. I don't want to get. But by the way, in terms of old books. You really do have to give credit for Bibi Netanyahu, who this was his shita, this was his uh, ideology, this was his perception, this was his prediction, and I think he deserves whatever politically anyone thinks of him. He deserves. This is a fulfillment of his predictions from back when he was writing about it in the nineties. No? Yeah, he he was very very consistent, and interestingly enough, in the last uh, five years in particular, he made Israel's uh, uh, foreign policy breakthroughs. Um, a central part of his appeal uh, in, in yeah. the internal political debate, which he did not before he was mere Mr. Bitachon, Mr. Security. Now he is Mr. Security and foreign policy. And foreign policy means markets to a country which right. is, um, uh, you know, uh, we, we had before the pandemic, we ran a $110 billion. Uh, ex export account. Or, we became mm -hmm. uh, we became uh, export positive. I mean, in my, when I was growing up, we constantly uh, had a, a trade deficit. We now uh, 
uh, definitely we are sitting on a nice pile of sovereign funds, uh, which is seeing us through this crisis. So to do this, we need markets, and markets open when people know that we are no longer the enemy of Saudi Arabia and the UAE. If the Brazilians and the Indians and the Africans and the mm -hmm. Japanese um, want to do business with Israel, they no longer have to think, well, am I going to be hit on oh, the wow. head with a Saudi hammer? I'll, give, yeah. I'll, take it, I'll take it a step further. Um, Chevron acquired Noble Energy. And Noble Energy right. has Israel concessions in the Israeli EZ, uh, the famous Leviathan field and, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, um, off the coast. Off the coast. Now um, it's ga gas, maybe oil, even natural but gas. Natural yeah. gas. Now historically, uh, it, the, it, the, um, the time it would have taken for Chevron to announce that they are shedding off their Israeli holdings would have been measured in nanoseconds. Because the, the sisters, the famous, the big sisters, the uh, Esso and Chevron and Texaco and uh, BP, you know, mm -hmm. bloody pirates, uh, British petroleum, <laughs> uh, and, and Shell, and uh, it used to be seven and they dwindled into five, I think, but they, they would not touch us with a 10-foot pole because mm. they, that would have ruined their position. In, the, in the oil business, you have to be very friendly to Saudi Arabia. And and the, uh, and nowadays, yeah. uh, Chevron has not yet made any move to uh, oh. divest uh, from the nobles holdings in Israel because there is no cost anymore to this in right. Saudi and oh. uh, certainly not in UAE terms. So uh, when this is the case, uh, it changes the global equation for us. And Netanyahu it, has a right a to celebrate the, uh, the results of a policy on which he's been very consistent. Right. Isn't that the kind of paradigm that happened with Oslo? Meaning the world became much more open to us with the Oslo because the world thought we were um, making peace with the Palestinians. Um, forgive me, but I need to correct yeah. this uh, impression. The Palestinians right. keep saying, we brought you China, we brought you Russia, we opened you mm -hmm. to India. Wrong. All of this happened before Oslo. It happened as a result of Madrid, not of Oslo. Madrid. It happened as uh -huh. a result of the dramatic change in world affairs with collapse of the Soviet Union and, uh, and with Israel showing up for uh, Madrid and also with the US and Russia initiating what became to be the multilateral negotiations, uh, five working groups. Mm -hmm. and, and people started crowding up to get into these groups and the ticket was a, an embassy in Israel. So uh, the, uh, if you look at the actual timing of the breakthroughs with Russia, China and India, the most important change in Israeli diplomatic history since uh, 48, uh, that came in 91-92 under Itzhak Shamir. It did not wait, they did mm. not wait mm. for the Rabin or the Oslo breakthrough. Uh, it's, a, it's a misperception that has been created and fed, of course, by the Palestinians who want to claim that they held the, the strings. Uh, but this is not what happened uh, uh, if you look at the actual timeline. Uh, I misunderstood oh, that. Interesting. Yeah, that's very clarifying. I'll have to go look back at it. Yeah, um, Greece yeah, in well, 1990. Uh, all of this happens uh, um, in the Shamir uh, on Shamir's watch. Uh, he's he's, I, he's, I, a, he's a thoroughly undercredited Israeli prime minister. Mm -hmm. He delivered mm -hmm. the country strategically and in many other respects. Not to mention the huge Russian 
uh, influx of, of Russian immigration, he delivered the country in a much better condition than he received it. I hate to take you, uh, but if you have a second for another question, and do yeah. you see a downside? Is there a, a dark lining to this silver cloud? Yeah. Look, it um, seems so good. There is a debate now in Israel whether the U.S. Uh, whether Israel gave a, 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 a wink and a nod for a U.S. Uh, F-35 deal with the UAE, mm -hmm. which uh, some Israelis consider to be uh, a breach of uh, of our QME. Uh, the um, American commitment to sustain Israel's qualitative military edge. Um, some of this is politically driven. It's an attempt to put some uh, vinegar in, in, in Netanyahu's oil. Uh, but uh, um, even if it, and, and Netanyahu has denied that he's uh, done anything of the sort, and, and the Americans, have, uh, the, the administration has said there's not, no such secret clause in the Abrahamic uh, agreement. Uh, between Israel and, mm -hmm. and the UAE, but even if it does happen, I, you know, my flesh will not crawl. Uh, we've uh, lived mm -hmm. with major arms sales to uh, our Gulf uh, partners uh, in, in 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 terms of uh, standing together in the same trench against Iran. And, and I remember the panic over AWACS with the Saudis in the 80s, and mm -hmm. that turned out only really to our advantage. Uh, up to a point, I would say that, and uh -huh. and certainly. Uh, given the uh, blatant, uh, un, un, uh, unvarnished Iranian attempt to terrify Saudi Arabia yeah. and the UAE into submission uh, with the rocket attack on, uh, on the Saudi oil facilities and with attacks on yeah. uh, Gulf shipping, um, we, we need to be very uh, um, frank. We, uh, these countries need to have the capacity to defend themselves. But I guess the concern is short-term, long-term. In other words, right now it looks like an advantage, but still, who knows? Because as you said earlier, some, some thing, the breakthroughs that we've made in the past either ended up stillborn or reversed, and, and so we have to be... Well, you're cautiously optimistic what the, this is really going to end up being what it looks like now? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I, th okay. I think uh, uh, right now there's no real threat to the stability of, uh, of the key Gulf players. Uh, of course, we never know. But uh, uh, the UAE was certainly wise enough uh, uh, to shift the basis of their economy away from mm -hmm. dependence on, on, uh, on oil exports to a very wide range of, of uh, activities and investments worldwide. So even mm -hmm. if the current trend in energy markets uh, continues to, to make hydrocarbons less relevant and uh, photovoltaic uh, energy, renewable energy more relevant. And, and of course, the pandemic has uh, crashed the market. Uh, uh, even, even under these circumstances, they, are, they have uh, the keys to the future, even uh, if, if the oil markets remain depressed. It's not just a convenient ally, it's really a natural ally, a similar In many ways, yes. To, well, we've been, yeah. of course, in, 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 a, in a relationship yeah. long Under before, tape, yeah. but this, 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 uh, this brings it to a different level. We have, an, uh, we have a, a, a diplomatic representative uh, in the UAE now for a number of years because there's an international agency, International mm -hmm. uh, Renewable Energy uh, Agency, IRENA, IRENA, uh, sits there, and we have a represent an Israeli office at, uh, representing oh. us uh, at this agency. So we have a diplom diplomat resident uh, in the UAE now for a number of years, but he was not, of course, uh, uh, um, uh, assigned to the to, to the UAE itself. 
Well, I promised you a half hour and you let me steal extra time from you, which we really appreciate because it's so helpful. I don't know. I see behind you on the Zoom call, I see behind you, you have an owl collection. I don't know if that's somebody <laughs> well, talking about your wisdom. Well, uh, but, but, a friend of mine once asked me if I'm a hawk or a dove and I said I've dedicated <laughs> my life to trying to try and be an owl. Uh, so, <laughs> so, yes. so that's how it came? Yeah. And how do you define, how is that? How does that fit between hawk and dove? It's neither. Seeing it's, in the uh, dark. Bringing, seeing in, yeah, see, bringing light to the dark. Seeing in the wow. dark and, the dark. Uh, and uh, thinking about uh, our options. Yeah. Well, I, I, have, I owe you, I owe you uh, an owl. <laughs> light in the darkness. Yeah. yeah, no, so helpful, not only yes. in terms of a broader perspective, but also possible consequences that, you know, what are, what are three or four steps down the line? And in, in, in this region of the Eastern Mediterranean, we have to mm-hmm. learn to think like chess players and not checker players in this. And, and, and your type of thinking is exactly, I think, what our listeners are interested in. Certainly what I think more people need to tune into to understand in a deeper way what it really means for us. So we thank you yeah. very much for your time. Really appreciate it so well, much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Well, we can do this again from time to time. When, uh, oh, my oh, gosh. Uh, well, we're going to hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely hold you to that. Pray do. Yeah, thank you, Alan. Pray do, as uh, Winston would have said. Now, um, <laughs> now um, how do I send you the recording? Okay, so don't hang up. I'm going to stop the recording, so, but don't hang up, and I'm going to sign off the episode. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. And bye-bye. Okay. Bye.